0: points on the table last week in our sermon I wanted not able to get through it. So today I'm bringing you part two of a life of persuasion and we were considering 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 11 to number 12 and I would like you to meet me there this morning and stand with me please, as we read God's word. Second Corinthians, Chapter 5. I don't know if it is me, but the mic seems to be in and out. <clears throat> All right, church, please stand with me as we read God's word together. <clears throat> if your knees work, you ain't got no back pain, <laughs> you ain't got no. No, never mind. <clears throat> Let us read together this text. And basically, I was only able to preach verse number 11. I hope today I can get through the rest of it, elder evil. So this is what it says. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we do what? That's where I took the title from, A Life of Persuasion. But what we are is known to God. And I hope it is also known to your conscience. We are not committing ourselves to you again, but giving you Cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not what is in the heart. In other words, some of us only focus on what looks good, what sounds good. We don't dig enough. For if we are beside ourselves, in other words, if we are out of our minds, it is for God. <laughs> If we are in our right mind, it is for you. And that's how you got to live your life. For God and for people. Not for money, not for work, but for God and for people. For the love of Christ controls us. I like it, Elder River, you're with me. Because we have concluded this. What have you concluded about your life? That one... Has died for all, and therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live, his sacrifice now, might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Today I want to preach the topic A Life of Persuasion, Part 2. Let us pray. Speak, O God, in Jesus' name, amen. may be seated. Thank you. Last Sabbath, as we're dealing with part one, I, I slammed the door shut on that sermon by talking about the statue of General Sudirman. That stands on Jalan Raya Sudirman. I said to you that though this man died in 1950s, yet there was something stirred within the consciousness of Indonesians that, wait a minute, this man gave a punch to foreign occupation and because of his punch because of his punch it helped indonesia to prosper therefore we need a statue to stand on his behalf i need somebody to get me clearly this morning that people will fight you people will slight you people will stab you But there comes a moment when people begin to see you for who you really are. There comes a moment when people start raising statues in their life for you. Because they recognize, wait a minute, I misread this person. Wait a minute, I misjudged this person. Wait a minute, I misunderstood this person. After all, they made a big difference in my life. After all, they helped me to progress. After all, they helped me to become what I have become. You see, this should encourage the parent who has decided to parent than being a yes, a yes parent to a child. Yes, your child may not like what you are suggesting. They may not like the rules that you are putting in place. But please believe that there'll come a day when your child, your son or your daughter, will raise up a statue in their life, in their heart, in their mind for you. <laughs> oh, you see, I know what I'm talking about, parents. I'm not a parent, but I, I'm a kid. And I used to give my kids, my mom, not my kids, mm-mm, I used to give my parents a hard, hard time. Uh, my parents they counted the hours we watched movies. My parents made us make our beds in the morning, the first thing we did, and I still do today. My parents assigned us chores. One day I'll take out the trash, the next day I had to sweep outside. And they did this while we had maids in the house. Now as a single man, living far away from them, I do not die if grass food cannot deliver or go food cannot deliver. I go in the kitchen, I cut up the vegetables, I cut up the tomatoes, and I make me food. I know how to put clothes in the washing machine. I know how to study. I know how to live responsibly. And today a statue stands in my life for my parents. A statue will stand for that employee. You may not be clapped at work. Nobody may not give you the promotion. But there will come a day when the corporation or the organization will say, there was an employee right here. They helped this company move forward. And we are where we are because of what they did So, brother and sister, you might be in that place today. You may not be appreciated. You may not feel like you're going to get promoted. But keep doing your job. Keep coming early. Keep doing what you got to do. A statue is going to stand. A statue is going to stand for that boyfriend or that girlfriend who will put faith over feelings. And when you will get married, your spouse will be happy to know that God gave them a praying spouse. God gave them a Bible-studying spouse. God gave them somebody who's going to help them to get to heaven. Amen. Somebody. Oh yeah, a statue will stand for that community who will put Christ over clicks instead of saying, or oh, you, in order for you to fit in, you got to dress like this or talk like this. No, you rather you say, "Here we love Jesus." Here we're about the Bible. Here we're about doing good for other people who may not feel like they're advancing in life. All I said was to review my sermon last week. Now allow me to jump into part two. Uh, You might be tempted to think that living a life of persuasion is so that a statue can stand in somebody's life. You may be tempted to think, you know what, I want to live so good so that when I'm dead and gone, people should talk about me. (laughs) But I, I, I want to warn you, because that's not the goal of a life of persuasion. And here, allow me to give you the first take home for the day. You see, a life of persuasion gives people a blueprint to live better. So I know you don't get that yet because you have been saying amen. So I I hope once I lay this on you, you're going to understand what I'm talking about. The goal is not for people to resurrect a statue in their life on your behalf. The goal is that they may live a better life. You see, we all live life based on persuasions or evil. Some of y'all, I persuaded to pinch pennies. You're always looking on Tokopedia for the next promo. <clears throat> I might talk to somebody. <laughs> in fact, some of you will text me, Pastor, you got to try this promo. <laughs> and I'm not hating on you because I like to save money too. You feel me? Some of you will stand in long lines in order for you to purchase a ticket to be able to fly to Singapore. <laughs> so I'm not hating on you. It's good, David, to save your money. It's good not to live above your means. I agree with that kind of lifestyle. Some of y'all are upgraded, are persuaded that the latest of the latest, you got to have it. You gotta have the iPhone 13. When the new update comes, you are the first one to upgrade. In fact, you watch Apple Keynote to to know the latest features of the latest iPhone. Perhaps you're not feeling iPhone. Samsung works for you. I don't know much about Samsung, forgive me. Perhaps it's not a phone. Perhaps it's a car. Perhaps for you, it's not the latest car. It is the latest, the latest feature on Instagram. Perhaps it's not the latest feature on Instagram. <laughs> Brother Johan, it's the latest shoes. <laughs> Maybe shoes don't do it for you, but you got to have the latest belts. And the reason why you got to have the latest, Brother Jeff... It's because of the belief that whatever you buy, the moment you buy it, the moment you unbox it, it starts to depreciate. And that's true. The moment you drive off the lot, the car that you drove off the lot, El Rivo, depreciates right then and there. I, I'll suggest to you to invest money in building a house <laughs> than in cars because those kind of things depreciate fast. Some of you... <laughs> Uh, persuaded that life should be all about gain and no pain. You want to have fun. You you want to go to the beach. You you want to go to the movies. You 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 want to eat out. And I'm not hating on you. I like a good meal once in a while. I like going to the beach once in a while. I I like entertainment. I would like to write first class. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. Some of y'all. <laughs> are persuaded to always have a plan B. So in a relationship right now, but you're keeping that friend who is more than a friend around, but you keep telling yourself it's just a friend. <laughs> hmm For some of you, plan B is, I got to have the extra mask. <laughs> For some of you, plan B is, I got to make sure that I always have a power bank next to me. Some of you are like a walking refrigerator. You got food on you. <laughs> you got ice on you. You know what I mean? You you are a self-contained unit because you believe that it's good to have a plan B. I'm not against that. It's good. For some of y'all, you're convinced that or persuaded that the pandemic is over, so you hug everybody. <laughs> Come here. You, you kiss everybody. Like you, you don't care. You know, no more no, no social distancing. COVID test, what, what's that? All I'm trying to say, Sister Sharon, is that all of us, we live life based on persuasions. Perhaps what I, I listed here is how you live your life. And there's nothing wrong with that. And when we come to the Church of Corinth, In verse number 12, Paul lets us know the kind of persuasion that the people were living by in the church. In the church of Corinth, the people lived by the idea that what mattered was on the outside more than what was on the inside. So listen to Paul, listen to Paul. He says, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you might be able to answer those. Watch this, listen to this, who boast about outward appearance and not what is in the heart. So so, so now when you look at this verse, Paul contrasts two body parts. How many body parts? When Paul says, our appearance, he's talking about the face. That's the region on your body that houses your eyes, that keeps your lips, that keeps your ears. So Paul is saying some people are only living face deep. When Paul talks about the heart, he's talking about that region on your body that is responsible for circulation in your body. So he's saying some people live their life hard, deep. And the thing that God showed me and the thing that I hope you to see is that in the church of Corinth, the blueprint that people lived by was that they only swam in the shallow end of the face instead of diving in the deep end of the heart. That is how people lived in the city of Corinth. So, pretend with me for a moment that you're on YouTube, the premium version, the one without ads. Please come to YouTube on your computer, on your phone. Don't go on it now, but just pretend you're looking at YouTube. I want you to type in the search bar, a life in Corinth. Type it now, in your mind. Type it, a life in Corinth. All right? It has come up, the search results. I want you to click that video, a life in Corinth. Let's watch a documentary of Corinth for a moment. This is Corinth. As you come into the city, you see the temple of Apollo. It doesn't look great now, but when you entered Corinth, it was an amazing structure. It took your breath away. And in the background, you have that hill you see is the Acro-Corinth there were many beautiful temples there. When you met somebody from Corinth, they did not take you to Mingu, They took you to the temple of Apollo. And they showed you how beautiful it is. And they will tell you, if you want to live here, The only thing we accept here are Mercedes, Beamers, Cadillacs, and Lexuses. If you're gonna dress in Corinth, it's gotta be Gucci and Prada. If you're gonna date in Corinth, she got her money. Let's stop the documentary for a moment. Let me talk about us. Many of us, like the city of Corinth, we are more concerned about what looks good. Okay, I'm not preaching yet. Many of us were concerned about what looks good. Some of the decisions we have made, they don't go heart deep. They go face deep. Think about where you are in your life. What was it that motivated you to choose him or her? Uh, think about where you're working. I know some of us we chose the job because it would give us good salary. <laughs> it would give us good status. People would talk about us as if we have made it. And many of us live life based upon externals. Based upon what's on the outside, uh, we don't care what kind of character they got. We don't care how they do business. as long as my life is good, as long as I'm going to progress, as long as I enjoy, I'm cool with that. And Paul had a, had, had, a, had, a, had a big problem with this because he understood something that a face watch this now. a face often shows you the outer. Without giving you a clear indication of the inner. Amen somebody? (laughs) A face only tells you what's on the outside. It don't tell you what's on the inside. Curves, young man. Dickie been there, man. Curves don't tell you what's on the inside. They only tell you that it's good on the outside. A Mercedes only tells you that it looks good on the outside, but you don't know what's happening in the engine. And you understand what I'm talking about when I, when I, when I, when I talk about this, because uh, we live in a generation where people go fast to the altar. But as fast as they go to the altar is how fast they leave the marriage. Because they looked good, they took good, they made good money. But spirituality, faith, commitment... Honesty, the things that really matter, God. Let me tell you, I have struggled with this. I like to talk about myself because I want you to understand that when I'm preaching, I'm not preaching to you, I'm only sharing what God has told me to tell you. You understand what I'm saying? God has told this to me. So, so the shoes I'm wearing right now, they are bigger. You, you don't know that. They look good, right? They, they, they look good. They, they, they look like they fit me. But the reality is they are bigger for me. But you know why I bought them? It's because they look good. But the moment I put them on, El Erivo,
1: I realize
0: that I'm wearing Shaq's shoes. You know what I'm talking about. Some friendships have ended because you thought that that person was a ride or die, but the moment you turned your back, they were criticizing and talking about you. You know what I'm talking about. Some groups said, <laughs> You thought it was a place to be, but you realize, "Mm, right here, this is Babylon. I better get out of this place. You better recognize, young man. You better recognize, young woman, mother or father. Recognize that face deep is not enough. You got to go to the heart. You got to find out what's going on. And I notice what, what Paul says. He says, We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us. Paul was very concerned because he wanted the church to do something. And he wanted them to be persuaded of a different kind of lifestyle. Notice what he says in the text We are not commending ourselves for you to boast about us. Paul understood what it meant to boast. Paul lived a life before Jesus based on externals and things that look good. Allow me to tell you a little bit about Paul. (laughs) See, Paul had it all. In fact, Paul, if Paul could talk about looks and talk about qualifications, talk about pedigree, Paul had it. Notice what he says. Circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel. Of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews. As to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul says, look man, I had it all. <laughs> I had everything. If you wanted a good preacher, I was it. If you want a good teacher, I was it. If you want to talk about bloodline, and you want to talk about tribe. You want to talk about people of the highest of society. I was it. And that's how I lived. Paul, watch this. Paul, Sister Linda, lived a front page faith. See, when you're focused on the externals, you are living what I call a front page faith. You know front page, right? Front page is 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 the first page you see on the on, on the news, and many of us are right here. We just want the front page of our lives to look good, we just want the front page of our lives to sound good. We want people to look at us as amazing. We don't want people to see anything wrong in our lives. But I want you to see what Paul says. Notice what he says: but whatever God. In our head. I had, I counted as lost for the sake of Christ. Paul says, You know what? I'm no longer living a front page faith, I'm not living a Christ centered faith. My life is not about what's on the outside, <laughs> my life is what's on the inside. You, you see, that the, the, the reality is this that many of us are not free today, we're not living for Jesus. Uh, we are living a front page faith. And that's why you care more about, Sister Susan, what they think. That is why you're more concerned about the promotion. And that is why you rather look good on Instagram, on Facebook, than look good in the house. Oh yeah, you smile. But are you smiling at home? Oh yeah, you say the life is is popping, but is it really popping inside? I hear it all the time. Pastor, my mom wants this. My dad wants this. I don't feel like I have my own life. You know why? Because you're living a front page faith. You're more concerned about what they think about you. you rather please the crowd And so some of us are driven by front page faith. And we're living like slaves. But here's something I need you to get. And this is something I loved about Paul. You see, Paul, when he came, he he, he lived for Jesus. Watch this. When he lived for Jesus, he was still circumcised on the eighth day. In other words, that never went away. <laughs> when he lived for Jesus, he was still an Israelite. When he lived for Jesus, he was still a part of the tribe of Benjamin. When he lived for Jesus, he 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 was he was still a Hebrew of Hebrews. The only things that Paul had to drop, watch this. The only things that Paul had to drop was being a Pharisee. He had to drop being a persecutor of the church. He had to drop being self-righteous. And the point I'm trying to tell somebody is this, Christ, ah, uh, Christ does not erase your old life completely. He erases what will stop your new life. That should have been an amen moment, but you know what? I'll accept it anyway. I'm just going to replay that for you. <laughs> Christ, Elder Calvin, doesn't erase your old life completely. He just erases the parts that are going to stop you from living your new life with him. Amen, somebody? You see, when you come to Jesus, you do not lose anything. You gain everything. When you come to Jesus, he upgrades you and updates you. When you come to Jesus, you are much better. You are greater. See, before I gave my life to Jesus, I I used to... To go to watch movies. And then when I watched movies, you know what I would do? I I, I would would tell my sister, you know, Jackie Chan did like this and like that. And he bit the guy like that. Ever since I I was young, I always had the ability to speak. When I gave my life to Jesus, he just baptized it and made me a preacher. Y'all didn't hear that. (laughs) God took my gift, and he elevated it, and he says, you know what? I'm going to send you to Indo, and you're going to talk to somebody about me. Brother and sister, listen to me. God wants to take you somewhere, but he will take you somewhere if you're willing for him to erase erase some things. Those things that you think are so important, those things that you think you cannot live without, Those things you think make you somebody, God is saying, I want to erase these because you're not living the life I want you to live. And so Paul is saying to the church, church, you're not where God wants you. You You're too face focused. Can we go heart deep? Can we take it a little bit further? Because only then are you going to be able to grow. Rose Wang of the Harvard Business Review, talks about, I don't know what's happening with the screen, talks about savvy self-promotion. And she says it like this. If you're going to be seen in a company, you need to promote yourself. But you know what? I, you you know the story. If somebody is always talking about themselves, you consider them braggadocio or or somebody who brags. <laughs> Man, you, you guys say here in, in Bahasa sombong, right? Nobody likes. Let me see if I do it right. Elder Calvin, don't laugh at me. Orang sombong. Can you say it like that? Yeah. Nobody likes somebody who is sombong. So Rose Wang says that you got to be savvy if you're going to promote yourself. And it's true. Unless you are seen by somebody, you're not going to get the relationship. Somebody's got to see you. <laughs> Ladies, somebody's got to see you. <laughs> you can't be in the bush hiding. you got, you got to come out so that the lion can hunt you. If you want to be promoted, the boss got to see that you're doing something. Are you feeling what I'm saying? Every time I come to church, I'm always looking for somebody who can serve the church. So, if you don't want to serve, don't let me see you. Because once I see you, I'm a hold on you. Amen, somebody. So Rose Wong says you you gotta be savvy in your, in your in your self promotion. Don't don't be too out there, but also don't be too down there. You, you gotta strike a balance. And 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 people said, and I was reflecting on this text. They say actually Paul is promoting himself. He, he's saying, please boast about us. Uh, talk about us. Uh, we, we want you to, to mention to people how we live our lives. But, but I want you to see what Paul says. And please don't miss this. Paul promotes himself in a different way. He says, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and... Not what is in the heart. Notice what Paul says. I am commending myself. I am bringing myself to you so that you can talk back to those people who are only focused on what is outside. In other words, Paul is trying to move the church from focusing on appearances to being aware of where they are in their faith experience so let me bring it down to you so that you understand what i'm trying to say i know some of you prefer to demonstrate than to dialogue i know some of you prefer to exhibit than to explain you rather not talk about how you made your money You don't want to talk about how you love your wife so well or your husband so well. You you just want to show that. But sometimes, though actions speak louder than words, it is words that make actions clear. So sometimes, God may put you in a position to talk about yourself to help somebody else. And I'm okay with that. And that's what Paul is saying. We have mastered how to focus on the heart more than on the face. And therefore, we want you to also understand and to also know how to live a life that is focused on the heart, not on the face. Let me bring it down because you guys are not saying amen. You're looking at me in a very strange way, making me uncomfortable. That's cool. Let Let me bring it to you for a moment. You see, brother and sister, Sometimes you need to be able to tell that young person who doesn't have experience yet how you made it. You need to talk about your struggles and your challenges because you may see the young person that they, they are about to make the same mistakes that you made. And therefore you will tell them, you know what, son, uh, daughter, don't go that way. I made that mistake. Please go in this direction. Some of us are gifted with experience. Some of us are gifted with stories of life. You need to share that. You know how to handle money. You can help somebody handle that money. Because you may realize they get their money and go spend it. But you need them to be aware that no, money is not to be spent when you earn it. Money is to to be a resource that you tap into. Because life can give you bad days. Life can give you funerals. Life can give you a loss. Life can, 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 can bring damage. Therefore you can make somebody aware. So Paul was trying to make the church aware. He says, Dickie, don't focus on what's on the outside. Please go a little bit deeper. I'm not saying that you focus on the outside. Dick is like, Pastor, are you talking about me? No. I'm just just saying your name. I love this young man. But Paul is making the church aware. Listen to this. Listen to this. Paul is making the church aware because Paul understood something. Mm. You're going to love this. You're going to love this. The sambal of Bible religion is a God who cares more about your heart than what you look like. Yeah, I know, everyone, you said something, amen for the sambal. Yeah, you like like that. You're you're, you're probably thinking about your favorite food right now. (laughs) You see, when Paul says, do not boast of what's on the outside, but what's in the heart, he's trying to help the church understand. You will not fully experience God unless you understand that God is not concerned about what you look like. He's concerned about what's on the heart. And I hope this speaks to somebody. You may not have made it yet. You may not have the degree. You may not have the family that you want. You may not be driving the car that you like. You may not be in the company that you want. But please understand, God doesn't judge you based upon what your life looks like, what it sounds like, what it quacks like. God is looking at your heart. God is interested in your motives. God is concerned about what inspires you. God is interested in a forgiving heart. God cares about people who are willing to let the grudges go. Abe, Shinzo Abe died because of a grudge. Because the guy had a grudge and shot him and, and, and killed him. The most powerful, one of the most powerful men in the world died because of a grudge. Some of us are right there holding a grudge. We ain't letting it go. God is saying, that's what I'm concerned about. Unless we deal with the grudge, promotion ain't coming. Unless we deal with the grudge, the marriage ain't coming. Unless we deal with the grudge, I'm not bringing the apartment that you want. Because what's everything when the heart is is messed up? What's everything? When the heart is foul. Please understand that in the Bible, God always deals with people based upon the heart, not what they look like. Oh, you may not believe me, but let me tell you about some of them. Abraham, he was old. He was crusty. He had a beautiful wife, but he could have no kids. But his heart was bent towards God. And because his heart was bent towards God, God said, you come with me. Let's go to Canaan. He came to Canaan. He waited for 25 years. But God gave him a child that God asked him to sacrifice. So so you are concerned about your age? You're concerned about what you look like? No, no, no. God can still work a miracle. The focus is, where is your heart? Some of us are young, but our hearts are old. And God said, I want to make your heart young. So, So you may not believe me yet. This young brother, Jacob. He stole his brother's birthright and he ran away and he was laying on the ground, on the dirt. He had a stone for a pillow, but God came to him and he says, Jacob, I'm going to bring you back to this place. If you follow me in your heart and we know (laughs) Jacob came back. So you may feel alone. You may feel like you're on the run, but God is not interested in your running. God is not interested in your loneliness. God wants your heart. And if you give him your heart, he's going to bring you back where you run from. Amen, somebody. Amen. Uh, you don't believe me yet? <laughs> so let me tell you about Joseph. Joseph, oh, that boy Joseph. His father's favorite. His brothers didn't like it. They sold him as a slave in Egypt. He was dumped in a dungeon. He became a slave to Potiphar. But because of his heart, the Bible says the Lord was with Joseph. And he promoted him. And he became the prime minister of Egypt. So you're worried about what they've done to you? You're worried that you are a slave right now? No, no, no. God wants your heart. He wants to lead you and bring you to the highest places on earth. So you don't believe me yet. So let me continue talking to you. This young man, he was a shepherd. Out there. You guys don't know about being a shepherd. You don't know what it means to to sleep without a tent. You don't know what it means to live without Wi-Fi. But this young man, David, as he is there taking care of the sheep of his father, he was writing songs and singing songs to God. And because God saw his heart, God says, I'm going to make you a king. And some of you are slaves today. Some of you are in 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 the bushes somewhere. But God is interested in your heart, and he can take you from the bush and put you in the palace. You see, God doesn't care. He doesn't care about your appearance. He just wants you to be aware of his presence. He wants you to wake up every day thinking about him. He wants you to turn every problem into a prayer. When you have disagreements at home, it's not time to feel like the world is coming to an end to be depressed. It's time to get on your knees. When it ain't working out, know that God is is there. And if you can live your life like that, please believe that God is going to take you to where you need to go. And I'm glad that Jesus did not look at what I look like. He saw my faults, but he looked past them and he saw my needs. And he decided that Henry needs my salvation. He decided that Henry needs me to climb on the tree. He decided that Henry needs me to prepare a place for him so that when I come back, he can be there with me. Brother and sister, understand that God wants your heart. And today the Bible says, he stands at the door and knock. And if anyone hears his voice. And opens his heart, he will come in. Aren't you glad <laughs> that Jesus ain't looking at what you look like? Aren't you glad that Jesus is not looking at how you've spent your money this week? Aren't you glad that Jesus is not looking at, at how you've treated your family this week? Aren't you glad that Jesus is not interested in how bad the business is failing? Aren't you glad that Jesus is not interested in how broke you are? <laughs> Aren't you glad that Jesus is saying your heart? Your heart, your heart, your heart. And today somebody needs to give, to give Jesus their heart. I'm going to wrap this up very, very soon. But let me just not create the same mistake I made last week. Let, let me just give you the second point of this sermon and then, and then we are done. It's going to be really, really quick. All I've said to you, is the goal of a life of persuasion. That is, a life of persuasion allows you to go beyond the face to what's in the heart. And when you go to what's in the heart, you're going to experience God at the highest level. That's the goal. It's not for a statue, but it's To get to God. But a goal. Needs a gear. It needs something to move it. It needs inspiration. And here it is. A life of persuasion happens. When the love of Christ. Has a grip on you. Amen somebody. It happens when the love of Christ has a grip on you. We know this verse. For the love of Christ controls us. Because we have concluded this. That one has died for all. And therefore all have died. Control is not the the precise term here. The right word here is grip. Just like I gripped this table. That's what Paul is saying. The love of Christ, <laughs> says Lydia, is gripping me. It won't let me go. It's gripping me. It ain't let me go. Many of us, we are, we are gripped by movies. We, we go into the movie theater and we are gripped with, with Fast and Furious. I mean, we, we are gripped. We are like, mm, man, oh. Mm, 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 After the movie, we forget about it. We are gripped by books. Atomic Habits by James Clear. We are gripped. Oh, man, I need to start these habits in my life, you know. We, we, we are gripped by relationships, by people. Every day we wake up, we text them. When we go to sleep, we talk to them. Every other hour in the day we text them, <laughs> we're gripped. But but you know, when the movie ends, we're not as gripped. <laughs> when we stop reading the book, we're not as gripped. When the relationship is over, we hate them. <laughs> if I'm honest, a lot of times in my life, anxiety has a grip on me. A lot of times, doubt, discouragement has a grip on me. This morning I woke up, ready to preach, but feeling inadequate. I was telling myself, am I really a good pastor? Am I really doing a good job? I just felt, I just felt sad. (laughs) But Paul says, it's the love of Christ that is gripping me and you know why it gripped him? Watch this. Watch this. We have concluded that one has died for all. Therefore all have died. Notice what he says. He died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Paul understood something that Jesus substituted his life for mine. Therefore, I'm going to substitute my life for his. Let me make it land. We know VPNs. You know what a VPN does? A VPN allows you to get on the internet without any of the risk. It takes your place. Your computer doesn't get hacked. Your phone doesn't get hacked. No viruses come to you. A VPN takes it all. Jesus became our VPN. He took all the risks. He was hacked to death on the cross. He was put in a rich man's grave. So that you and I did not have to go through that. And Paul is saying, since Jesus became my VPN, I also want to be his VPN on earth. And that is why I am gripped in my heart. That is why I live for Jesus. That is why I want to make sure that other people know him. Because of what he's done for me. Here it is. And I'm done. Jesus became your VPN. And today, Jesus is saying, are you willing to be my VPN? I cannot be there on earth. I cannot go to the office. I cannot talk to your friends. I cannot run with them. But can you be my VPN? So that people will be persuaded by your life. And they will want to follow me. Is there anybody who is saying, I want to be a VPN for Jesus? I want my life to represent him. Anybody? Let me see. Brother and sister, when you get to that place, God is going to take you to the next level. Every head is bowed. Every set of eyes is closed as we pray. Father God, thank you. That you're calling us to a life of persuasion. And Father, we want to be gripped by your love for us. We, we want to live as VPNs for you, Lord. Please help us. Please guide us, Lord. We can't be all that we need to be without you. A brother and a sister today is asking you to give them wisdom and grace so that they can represent you. Please, Lord, do that. Lord, help us to see that you mean more than anything else in this world. Help us, Lord, to live for you. Help us, Lord, to be committed to you. Grant us your grace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen. So I believe that that word did something in your heart and it spoke to you. And I just want to encourage you that you respond to it. Do not delay. God loves you more than he loves life itself. And Jesus died to prove it. We as a ministry at Facts Alive believe that this is our mission we want to help you to know Jesus better and to know him more clearly and to love him more dearly the number is on the screen kindly text us kindly write to us or call us and we'll be more than happy to help you perhaps you need prayer you need encouragement, you need counseling please also reach out we are available for you to help you and if the Lord has inspired you to give and to partner with us in ministry the number is also on the screen and you can simply give whatever the lord has put on your heart to work and partner with us may god bless you and take care i will see you very soon